This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. If you've been diagnosed with bladder cancer or you have a loved one or friend who's been diagnosed with bladder cancer, I urge you to call in this half hour, 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Now, if you're new to Zoomer Radio, I am an advocate for Bladder Cancer Canada and have been for the past four years in memory of my mom, Sandy, who died of bladder cancer almost six years years ago, just over six years ago, actually. And for the fourth year, I'm fielding a team for the Toronto Bladder Cancer Awareness Walk in memory of my mom. That's coming up on September 23rd at Sunnybrook Park. Now, joining me to talk about improvements in treatment and research, which is why I do this, is Dr. Alex Zalata, Director of Uro-Oncology at Mount Sinai Hospital and Professor, Department of Surgery, Urology at the University of Toronto. Dr. Zalata is also also a member of the Medical Research Board of Bladder Cancer Canada, and is currently performing translational research in bladder and prostate cancer, focusing on genetics and biomarkers of the disease. And he is here to tell us how treatments and research are going into curing bladder cancer. Dr. Zlata, it's always a privilege and an honor to speak with you. Yeah, I don't don't know whether it's good morning or good afternoon. It's probably in between. <laughs> I know you. I, I know you've probably come out of the operating room to speak with us. It actually is afternoon. Um, also, I want to introduce you to the lead organizer for the Toronto Bladder Cancer Awareness Walk. These walks take part take place in cities right across the country, but the biggest one is here in Toronto. And leading it this year is Deanne Pooter. Deanne, it is a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. Now. You you're here uh, and doing what you're doing for a similar reason as me. I'm doing it in honor of my mom. Uh, I want to extend my condolences to you on behalf of the Zoomer Radio family because you lost your dad to bladder cancer. We did. We lost my dad, uh, Ingo. Uh, sorry. I know. And it's, it's, it's fresh, hard. right? It's, it's, it's not that long it's, ago. It's uh, October 6th, 2017. Um, he was diagnosed in March. And after... Uh, a grisly few months, uh, you know, bouncing back and forth from treatment to treatment and procedure to procedure. Um, we lost him on October 6th. Yeah, just this past year. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Um, well, how far advanced was it when it was discovered? It was very muscle invasive, had spread into his prostate as well. And um, it uh, when, when they did the cystoscopy in March, they found that it was a very large, very aggressive tumor. And, um, you know, we were given the option of chemo and radiation, which he took both of those. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it didn't end up the way we wanted it to. Had he been feeling unwell for a time before he was diagnosed? Uh, surprisingly, not so much. Um, the situation with my dad was that the summer before, so that would have been the summer of 2016, he did uh, see blood in his urine. 
and we urged him to get to the doctor, uh, which he did. He's uh, He was a chicken when it came to doctors, but he did get there and was told that uh, by the urologist that he should get the cystoscope. So the scope that goes, you know, up into the uh, bladder to see what's going on inside the bladder lining. Uh, he, he was reticent about doing that because he was really very frightened of how uncomfortable it mm-hmm. would be. So he spoke to his urologist, and his urologist said, okay, well, maybe we can do an ultrasound. Um, the, the ultrasound came back, uh, not showing much of anything, really. So my dad thought, okay, I'm, I'm probably okay. Uh, and a couple of months after that, the bleeding ended up stopping. So he and we thought he was in the clear. So at this point, we really did not know too much about bladder cancer. And uh, he did say, though, that if it returned, he would get in- to the urologist again and get that cystoscope done. Uh, and we, we said to him, you know what, Daddy, if, it's, if you're that frightened by the concept of getting the scope done, Ask him if you can have some general anesthetic. Mm -hmm. Ask him to give you something that's going to make it more tolerable for you. So when it did ultimately return, the bleeding in the urine, uh, that was, uh, I think, in December. It was close to Christmas of 2016. Uh, He did talk to his urologist, and his urologist agreed. Yeah, we'll put you out for this, and you'll you'll have your scope. And that was done, I guess it took us, uh, actually, so no, it wasn't March, it was February that he mm-hmm. was diagnosed, because that's when he had the scope, and that's when they found it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, let's go over to Dr. Zlata and start with the basics. For people who know very little about bladder cancer, and that's, that is one of the big challenges in all of this, is the awareness of the symptoms and, um, and, and what you should do when you see red in your urine, because that is the primary symptom. Uh, the two main types of bladder cancer, Dr. Zlata, and the survival rates for these cancers. Yeah, I mean... Um as you know, often uh, bladder cancer has been uh, termed the uh, little-known cancer because it really flies under the radar of many people in the population, although thanks to the walk, thanks to the increased awareness of things, things are slowly changing and, and for better. Um, the, the big issue with bladder cancer is that it groups a variety of diseases which are actually very, very different. And so, yes, Whenever you see blood in the in the urine, or whenever, whenever you have a change in the way that you urinate, um, pain more frequent, more frequent, and especially if you have risk factors like smoking exposures to uh, some professional uh, exposures or uh, some family history, mm-hmm. you clearly should not waste time and then present and consult. But the the fact is that the Two types of tumors have very, very diff- different uh, behaviors. One is what I call the pussycats, which are lesions which are superficial in the bladder that never ever go into the muscle or beyond, and which do not have the ability most of the time to do so. These are what's called the non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. The only reason why the, the, the word bladder cancer is kept is because 
a couple of percent of these lesions can become a problem. And as long as we, we, we just we don't want to frighten too many people for nothing, but on the other hand, we just don't want to remove from the equation the possibility that a couple of percent may still um, behave unfavorably. And so on one hand, you have those pussycats, which have a tendency to come back, but never claim the life of the people who present with them. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, you have what I call the tigers, which are aggressive lesions, which usually go deeper into the bladder wall, whether the second layer or the muscle beyond, and which are truly life-threatening. And that the, the, one of the complexity of bladder is that it really groups um, diseases with very, very dramatically different behaviors and, and pro prognosis for, for the patients. It is unusual, more unusual for women to get bladder cancer. And I've, I've told the story many times on the air, but if you're new to Zoomer Radio, uh, my mom was presenting with blood in her urine, uh, so her GP would prescribe an antibiotic thinking it was a urinary tract infection. So then, of course, the blood goes away and you think that that's what it was because the problem gets solved or it appears to have been solved, and then it shows up again. And it was, unfortunately, um, and Dr. Zlata, you treated my mom, but by the time she was referred to Princess Margaret, mm -hmm. cells had gotten out. And once, once the cancer metastasizes, um, I mean, as I remember this so clearly sitting in, in, the, in the room um, with you and one of your colleagues, um, just saying that, yes, there are some cases where people do survive, but there is no cure once it's metastasized. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's, uh, I mean, what, what has happened, uh, the, the, the lessons are that whenever you see blood in the urine, even if you assume that it's a simple infection, never simply assume. I think this requires some investigations. You always prefer to err on side of caution and overdo it, then, then not do enough. And, and certainly that's the key message. It won't help your mom, unfortunately, but maybe it can help a lot of uh, the people listening to, to this show and to have the, their, their attention uh, brought up. Um, the second thing is that things have truly changed over the last five, six years, and that uh, we are so happy, actually, to see that we are now at the cusp of being able to tell at times patients with disease outside, even sometimes who have not responded to chemotherapy, that a subset, and again, I really insist it's only a fraction of people. It would be completely ridiculous to think that everyone can survive, but a subset of people now can respond in a dramatic fashion to immunotherapy and more specifically to what's called um, immune checkpoint uh, inhibitors. And what that is, is that several studies have shown that even in people who failed chemotherapy where disease was outside in some of the other organs, whether it's liver, the lymph nodes, sometimes even bone, and then they did not respond as one would have hoped to chemotherapy. There is a full, a whole family of compounds uh, which are called immune checkpoint inhibitors and which basically redirect 
the immune system to recognize the tumor cells as bad and foreign and unleash your own immune cells to kill them. And I'm going to maybe just tell the story uh, of a, a gentleman that, of course, I won't name. Young gentleman in his late 40s with a tumor that actually went outside of the, of the bladder, went to different organs, um, got chemotherapy, and had a big tumor in the bladder as well didn't really respond or only partially respond to chemotherapy. And then he was placed on these new drugs and absolutely everything has, has melted. Wow. I, saw him, I saw him with his spouse. They were absolutely thrilled. We scoped him. Nothing was left. That's again, incredible. Again, we have to be really careful. It would be completely ridiculous mm -hmm. to say that everybody responds. The response rate is in between 15 to 30 percent, and a lot of research now is focusing on trying to understand who are the people who re respond so nicely, but so that everybody can actually benefit rather than giving to, to everyone and with only 30 percent max who would have those kind of responses. But the main point is that some people now who have responded actually have responded for years and years and years. And we are even wondering whether some people are not completely cured. And so you can imagine this incredible paradigm shift and hope with drugs which can maybe cure part of the people who would have been, when we discussed together in, in my office, unfortunately at that time, sadly enough, we're not able to, to be cured. Right. But we can see how far we've come in such a short amount of time. We're talking about improvements and treatment and research for bladder cancer with Dr. Alex Lada. And I encourage you, if you've been diagnosed with bladder cancer, if you have a loved one with bladder cancer, Dr. Lada is one of the foremost experts on bladder cancer and treatment. So give us a call. We have them until 1 o'clock. It's a real privilege. 416 Three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty. 4740, also in studio with me, and it's Jane for Libby, by the way. Uh, we have with us Deanne Pooter. She is the Toronto Walk Lead for the Bladder Cancer Awareness Walk, which is held in cities right across the country. And Deanne, you know, what Dr. Zlata talking about um, improvements in treatment and research, a lot of this is due, or at least a good portion of it, is due to the funding from the walks. And people can feel confident that that if they donate to Bladder Cancer Canada, almost 100% of the money is going to treat bladder cancer. That's right, Jane. Um, yes, so we have 22 walks uh, in various locations across Canada. Uh, the Toronto Walk on September 23rd is the largest of those. Um, but uh, we have a very, very low overhead for administrative costs as an organization. So exactly what you said, uh, a, a huge portion of what you will donate, if you donate to Bladder Cancer Canada, will go directly to uh, the three-part uh, three mission of Bladder Cancer Canada, which is the first is to help bladder cancer patients and their support teams address the day-to-day -day concerns of, of the disease. Uh, secondly, to 
increase the awareness of bladder cancer amongst the general public. We have an uh, ad campaign out there, see red, see your doctor. Um, so obviously that's saying first time you see blood in your urine, get to your doctor. Get and, be, and be persistent. Be persistent. <laughs> yes. Don't yes. sit back and, and assume that it's just, I mean, we should assume that it's okay, but we should be thoroughly investigated yep. when that when if if that were to happen make sure you are your own best health advocate absolutely yes. absolutely and then the third um is that uh the your donations do go directly towards funding research, which is exactly what uh, we were happy to hear what Dr. Zlata was just saying. Okay, the phones are ringing, as I suspected they would. Uh, we'll take a call, then a quick break, and then back with your phone calls. First, Jan in Guelph. Jan, you have a question for Dr. Zlata? Uh, not so much a question as a message to all smokers who may be listening. There's a very old saying, prevention is better than cure. And I, my husband went through all of this from 2008 to 2009 every day, knowing we were, he was going to die. Uh, it had gone too far when it was discovered, and he was in absolute agony toward the end. And if all smokers could have seen that agony, they would stop smoking right now, because it's not pleasant at all. That's my message. Thank you, Jen. Great message. We will take a quick break, and then we're back with your questions for Dr. Zlata. Uh, we'll also tell you how you can contribute. If you're thinking you still have some money left in your charitable donations, uh, we'd like you to consider Bladder Cancer Canada. I'll have that information for you as well. Keep the calls coming, 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-744-740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about bladder cancer research and treatment, taking your questions as well for Dr. Alex Zlata, expert in neuro-oncology. Let's go to Jennifer in Curtis. Hi, Jennifer. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I have had... Uh, a couple of blood tests in, within the last year, and each time there is a microscopic trace of blood in the urine. And my doctor sent me for a second uh, urine test, and he said it's there, but he, he says it's nothing to worry about, and I, and I am a cancer survivor. And I said, shouldn't it be checked further? And he said, it's such, such a small trace amount, I don't need to worry about it. Is that so, or, or can that be... Can you have a small trace amount where it's not caused from any other problem? Before we get to Dr. Zlata, Deanne, you're, you're nodding your head saying she should go. To, uh, you, yeah, yeah, I'm saying But that. my doctor is telling me it's nothing to worry about. So who do I go to? I need a referral, don't I? Uh, yeah, okay, so Jane's pointing at me. It's Deanne Pooter here. Um, I'll just tell you that I also had microscopic hematuria on a, just a, a general um, urinalysis for my annual checkup. And because of my dad's situation and our experience, uh, I, I demanded um, a referral to a urologist. And I actually did go to see doctors a lot of myself and uh, had the scope done. And I can tell you that from my experience, it was very non-invasive, much less invasive than a pap test, say. Mm -hmm. So, um, Dr. Zlata? I would recommend it. So, I... I'm so tired. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a very good point. And uh, the, the, the issue is the following. When you see blood, 
in the urine yourself. It's pink or red. It's a no-brainer. You have to consult. You don't even have to think twice. Right. When the blood is detected only um, on a microscopic examination, you see nothing. It's true, and I can completely understand where your GP comes from. It's true that the vast, vast majority will end up with nothing found uh, during the exams, and that there are many, many reasons why there are a couple of red blood cells uh, that can be found at a certain age um, in in men and, and, and women. Now, there are guidelines, and I would say that most of the time, uh, if you want to err on side of caution, and if you have, especially if you have any risk factor, it's not unreasonable to at least have an ultrasound of the bladder and the kidneys. Mm -hmm. It can detect a small stone. It can detect a few things that can perfectly justify. Uh, a urine test will look at what's called cytology, which is looking at the presence of abnormal cancer cells. And you may or may not have, in addition, a cystoscopy. Um, even the decision to do a cystoscopy should be discussed. And the main point I'm saying is that, yes, in the vast majority, when you have microscopic, nothing will be seen. Mm -hmm. But I certainly would say that no one ever regrets to err on side of caution. You don't need necessarily to, to do a CT and those kind of things right away, but you can perfectly do ultrasound, simplum, urine test, and a cystoscopy, and then go from there. And Dr. Zlata, what should Jennifer say to her doctor uh, to insist that she get this? Uh, you know, it's, a lot of people feel intimidated when a doctor says there's nothing to worry about. How do no, you... No, for sure, but I, I think, you know, um, you, you can also perfectly say that, uh, you know, you, you, you're aware that although the risk is slow, you just don't want to take any risk, and you, you would appreciate if the exams could be done so that at least you can be fully reassured. It's not a high risk, but you just don't want to take it, and I think everybody understands that you, it's absolutely your right not to take any, any risk. Okay, uh, Jennifer, that. does that help a bit? Yep, that's helped a lot. Thank you okay, very much. Okay, thanks. Good luck to you. Uh, quickly, Ken in Oshawa, go ahead with your question. My, my question is that I've had two scrapings, and the second one seems to be fairly successful, but the doctor is still recommending a, a BCG treatment. What's your opinion? So, I mean, BCG is a immunotherapy, which is basically... It's very, it's quite old. It started in 1976, and believe it or not, it, just, it actually started in Canada for the entire world. Al Morales in Kingston had the idea to place a attenuated strain of a vaccine that was initially meant to protect against tuberculosis. He placed it in the bladder of patients and saw that the people who got the treatment, it was once a week for six weeks, had way less recurrences than those who didn't receive it. And so BCG has been clearly the standard of care in people who have a disease which is superficial, non-muscle invasive, which is at risk of either coming back or even going deeper. And so I can't fully comment on whether yes or no, you 
should, mm -hmm. but I would say that having had already a second scraping, and certainly if any of the features of the pathology show something else than a true pussycat, it would be standard of care to try to minimize this from coming back. Dr. Alex Lada, thank you for your time. Always fascinating. And I'll uh, speak with you again as we get closer to the day. And the day that I'm talking about is the Toronto Bladder Cancer Awareness Walk, which is why our other guest is here, Deanne Puder. Um, at the moment, we're fundraising like crazy, you and me and all kinds of people who are taking part in the walk. That's right. Uh, it, tell us what the goal is this year. I think we're still going for 600000 yes? I think that's our goal. So, yes, the walks across uh, Canada last year raised more than 600000 Mm -hmm. which is wonderful. Um, uh, again, 22 cities across the country. Uh, so you can find um, which city is your walk by visiting bccwalk.ca. And we encourage anyone who's available, I believe it's uh, pretty much the same date across all cities. There may be one, one day difference here or there. So it's Sunday, September 23rd in Toronto, at least. And uh, you can register for your city. You can pledge to support Jane Brown. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it team? It's team Jane Brown uh, in honor of Sandy. Uh, and in yeah. fact, uh, the folks that I work with here have made it really easy for you to uh, make a charitable contribution uh, just by going to zoomerradio.ca, zoomerradio.ca. And great. you will get an instant tax receipt. That's right. And 100% of your donation goes to fighting bladder cancer. That is the beauty of what they do at Bladder Cancer Canada. I uh, also want to just mention uh, the Bladder Cancer Canada website has all the information you need if you're looking for patient support, because that is a big part of what they do. You're looking for assistance uh, from the experts there. That's right. So if you are faced with a diagnosis or if you have questions or if you're a family member, which was the case in our family's uh, situation, and we wanted to find out more information about my dad's um, my dad's diagnosis, you can visit uh, www.bladdercancercanada.org. There are discussion forums on there, patient discussion forums. Um, there's a medical advisory board. Uh, there, you know, there's information whether you've been diagnosed with muscle invasive, non-muscle invasive, if you're facing a radical cystectomy. Um, so, yes, we encourage everyone to check that out. Fantastic. Yeah. Lots of information. Deanne, it was such a pleasure to have you in. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jane. Deanne Pooter, the, the lead walk organizer for the Bladder Cancer Awareness Walk here in Toronto. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.